most prophets don't want to do away with everything. They just want to do away with the thing that's messing everybody up. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Gregory Mobley, visiting professor of interpretation of the Hebrew Bible in congregational settings, and Frederick Jerry Streets, adjunct associate professor of divinity and social work. They're discussing Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, which is appointed for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany in year B. The text is read for you by student Sophie Beal. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more, lest I die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Hey, Jerry, can I go on a rant about the lectionary? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Well, I don't like the way it uses the Old Testament to merely predict or prefigure events in the New Testament and ignores the revelatory integrity of the Hebrew Bible on its own terms. So this text from Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 20, cuts the reading before the actual punchline in Deuteronomy, which takes places in verse 21 and 22. So the ending, you know, as we just heard it read, Any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I've not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. So, so far, this is about, oh, there's a new prophet coming, a successor to Moses, and it's going to be, da-da, Jesus. And I got to tell this joke. So one time, you know, they're having a children's sermon at the church, and the kids are so conditioned to coming down there. And so the speaker wanted to tell a story about some animals. And he said to the kids, so what's brown and furry has a long tail and lives in the trees? And one of the kids says, well, I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel. (laughs) And, you know, it's like that's the way the Old Testament gets used. So the answer is always Jesus. But in the Hebrew, the punchline of this whole passage is, 
coming in verses 21 and 22. You may say to yourself, how can we recognize a word that the Lord has not spoken? So how do you know the difference between a true and a false prophet? And the answer is, if a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, but the thing doesn't take place or prove true, that is a word the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. Don't be frightened by it. Okay, that's my rant. Well, it's an understandable one, I think. Um, So often there is an unspoken and sometimes not so unspoken triumphalism um, in the way we interpret the prophetic uh, message of the the Hebrew Bible, as as you said, as it relates to, to Jesus. And it raises for me a number of questions such as not only how do we know a prophet is a true one, um, does a prophet only come in one form? Uh, Can we say the ecological conditions that we're facing, our environment, is it possible that the trees and the animals and the oceans are giving a prophetic word? Amen. And I know that for some people, that might be a, a little bit of a stretch, but I think one reason why it's hard for contemporary modern people to think about the image of a prophet is because I think what automatically comes to mind is is someone who's a doomsday person, uh, and or they're crazy, <laughs> uh, you know, ranting and raving on the street corner or something like that. But I, I think also may, what may be at a deeper level of, of our caution, hesitation, uh, even bias or prejudice against prophets is, is the fact that it's hard for us sometimes to face the truth. And it would be easier to ignore the truth in any form of, of truth-telling that, that comes in our midst. So the prophetic word can easily get dismissed. So as folks who are listening to us thinking about their sermons or other venues that they'll be using this text, one might ask, what is the nature of the prophetic in our time? How does it reveal itself, manifest itself, and how do we respond to it? Yeah, and it also, this gives us an occasion to kind of revisit the the very essence of biblical prophecy, because most people think prophets can tell the future. Prophets gaze through crystal balls. Prophets can tell you who's going to win the the game on Sunday. Uh, As Abraham Joshua Heschel, the great uh, Jewish theologian of the 20th century said, biblical prophecy is not about foresight. It's about insight. It's about seeing through the showy appearances on the surface and plumbing the deeper reality underneath. Mm -hmm. So prophets are one who penetrate with their vision. And in this case, then the, the question is, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. You don't, you know, anyone can speak in the name of the Lord. And in fact, the people who most often invoke the name of the Lord are the ones I trust the least, mm-hmm. are those voices I trust the least. But it's a it's a long-term question. Sometimes you don't know, and you have to live with that ambiguity. Is the prophet's word cutting 
to the heart and core of reality? I think so. Um, and some of our listeners may be familiar with the framework of Carl Jung, uh, who often encouraged that we understand and get to know our shadow side. Our resistance to do that, do that kind of work, is what we then scapegoat the prophetic persons or events. I think about, you know, this this may seem controversial to some of our listeners, but when George Floyd said he can't breathe, mm-hmm. and and the whole nation and eventually the world saw the knee of the policeman on his neck. Was that a prophetic moment mm-hmm. um, where a truth was being spoken about a social, political, racial condition uh, that revealed a shadow side to the best of one of our nation's institutions, and that's law enforcement? And are we willing to really look at that without casting aspersions at the whole, but being able to identify the particular parts that need uh, rectification. Most prophets don't want to do away with everything. They just want to do away with the thing that's messing everybody up. (laughs) Well, I'm dating myself, but when you said, is the word by a man being oppressed by a knee on his juggler in a street, a prophet, the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls. <laughs> well, here's the thing I love best about what we've said today. You know, the, this, the essence of this text is, in Deuteronomy, an assurance that even though Moses will leave the stage, God will always provide prof- prophets and prophetic voices. And then when that gets interpreted in the New Testament, Jesus is that prophet. But I love thinking in our generation, the prophets also must include the birds of the air and the fish of the sea Mm -hmm. and the polar ice caps and the Amazon rainforest. Are we listening to them? Mm -hmm. They might be saying the same thing George Floyd said, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, and, And while we locate and centralize in the life and person of Jesus, the prophet, it's worth thinking about how much do we see Jesus as everyone or the potential for everyone? If if he's an exemplar, then exemplar for whom? (laughs) There's a broader broader message of the life of Jesus than a a singular linear kind of relationship that, you know, we all shift to Jesus. And then when the Whenever the new prophet comes with bells and whistles, we'll shift to that person. But might we might we see the universal in the life of Jesus? That's that's a part of of the nature of life's ongoingness. That is, it's a representation. Jesus is a representation of of life attempting to uh, continue. Thanks for listening. For a transcript of today's episode and lots more, check out YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer Helena Martin. 
and our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.